Welcome to our Transgender School podcast. We're here to talk about diverse transgender identities and experiences so that we can all be better allies and advocates. We'll also discuss current events, welcome guests, and share actions you can take to support trans people. I'm Bridget, and my daughter Jackie came out as a transgender woman about four years ago when she was 19 years old. I was totally unprepared, but I have learned a lot since then. And now Jackie and I are passionate about sharing what we've learned. When I came to terms with being trans, I realized that I absolutely needed to transition, but coming out was very stressful. Now that a few years have passed, things have gotten somewhat easier, and I want to help other trans people navigate their own unique experiences. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Transgender School Podcast, episode 24. That's two years. Congratulations. Happy anniversary. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming back, everyone. Yeah. Thank you to all our listeners and viewers growing in numbers. We are so, so grateful. And it's a very special anniversary episode today. We're so lucky to have our guests who are with us today. And I'll introduce to you in a sec. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Kathleen, CK, Jackie. Just say hi. We just say hi, everybody. And if you can watch on YouTube, this is a great one to watch on YouTube because I'm going to be showing you some wonderful books that you will want to go out and buy that you're going to hear about. And it's such great timing because this episode is coming out in early December and we're looking for holiday gifts. And we know that all our allies and community members out there are going to love these books as ideas for holiday gifts and and family gifts. So I want to welcome to the show today two incredibly brilliant and talented authors who have published children's books that are highly acclaimed, tons of reviews and recognition that speak to the profound nature of these books and what they're doing in families. And I'll have to say, Jackie and I texted right before this, and Jackie said something like, boy, if I had seen a book like that when I was growing up, our story would be really different, wouldn't it? And so that's the takeaway we really want people to leave with today. The first book is called A Costume for Charlie, also timely for us because tomorrow's Halloween as we're <laughs> as we're taping this. Um beautiful story about finding the right costume that is is expressive of one's gender identity. And we're going to talk about that. And and that is CK's book, our first guest and our guest Kathleen's book, another beautiful book Blink, Plue, and Colorful You, also about young monsters trying to figure out their gender identity and expression. And of course, those monsters are fun and and lively and loving, and they represent our kids in a very safe and careful and mindful way. So I want to recommend these books. I could not recommend them more highly. And I want to introduce CK, who's a bi-gender award-winning educator and literature coach at the secondary level when when. CK is not grading essays or helping students. They are busy helping design culturally and LGBTQIA plus responsive units for the district and working as a climate and culture coach. We want to hear all about that. When they're not writing, they're coaching and advising through alignment with the Genders and Sexualities Alliance Network. CK continues this work in the literary world by advocating for all to be given the space to tell their own stories. Though they love the many hats they wear, their favorite is an advocate for diverse voices. And I share that with you. I wear many hats as well. And doing this and being here is what I love the most and is the most meaningful to me. Kathleen Latlip, who I know personally and adore as well. She spends her time editing television, very well regarded and longtime television editor who we love her work. (laughs) And she writes children's stories. She grew up all over the US. She planted herself in California. She lives with her wife and two children. She's been working in film and television for over 20 years, which by the way, just fun fact, we thought that's what Jackie was going to do. Jackie is on the track to be a film editor and change track as many people do in many ways of their, of their, a lot of, a lot of hours in premiere pro in high school. Oh, nice. Yep. Yep. And one semester, I think in film school, and then we realized one semester at Emerson and I was like, yeah. Actually, something else. (laughs) Yep, that wasn't the path and changed changed paths, which has turned out lovely. And Kathleen has written several screenplays and children's books. So please tell me, starting with CK and then Kathleen, what did I leave out? What more can you tell us about you before we talk about your books? 
I do run multiple GSAs, which is a big deal for me to watch over all these kiddos. So at the middle school, and then I do a small one for a side one at the high school level. I teach English language learners as well as RSP, so students, children with special needs, and I'm teaching this my life. I've been doing it for 20 years now. This is actually my 20th year, and I've stayed in the same school, and I just adore it. And so (laughs) I'll be sad when I finally have to retire, but it's been very worthwhile. And I love dogs more than anything in the entire world. Thank you, CK. And thank you for the work you're doing with kids. We cannot emphasize enough how important it is for people to be doing the work you're doing and also modeling for them as as a member of the community yourself, that it's safe, that you're someone safe to talk to and come out to and you're creating that spaces for them to share with each other. And as Jackie and I talk about all the time, she did not have that growing up. And so that's why we really feel strongly about this conversation and bringing all of that out. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And Kathleen, tell us more about you. I also run two different groups for trans children. One is just for boys and we it's called the Trans Boy Posse and it's ages 8 through about 13 now. And then I also run a group called Rainbow Warriors. It's for all trans and non-binary children. And it's just, we meet once a month at a local playground and get together with parents and share stories and the kids can meet each other and see someone that's like them. So it's been, it's been fun. And that's, yeah, I mean, you covered everything else in the uh, professional world. Okay. (laughs) I mean, you also wear many hats and so we're very grateful to you and that you're both really dedicating, despite very busy careers, dedicating so much time to helping kids to create safe spaces for kids to come out and to, even if they're not coming out themselves, to understand siblings and friends and be allies from the get-go from as early as we can possibly help them to do that. So let's talk a little bit about each of your books and then we will, I think, move into some of the more broader topics that we want to talk about around the content of what's in your books and the content that we talk about on this podcast. So I'll just keep going back and forth in different orders. So let's start with Kathleen's book, which I'm a huge fan of, Blink and Plue and Colorful You. Now, Kathleen, tell us, can you give us like without giving it away, but a little bit of the story and what inspired you to write the story? What inspired me was that I really love writing, writing children's books and I've been writing for years, but I started looking for books for my kids that had something to do with gender diversity and expression. And most of the books I found, they weren't a story. They were more like an explanation of what being transgender or non-binary is. And I think those are really important. But my kids tend to like stories more. And those are the ones that they um, request me to read over and over again. So I was like, I'm going to write one. And then just about the story, my little synopsis is when three young monsters realize that their outsides don't reflect who they are on the inside, they begin a search for their own identity and find encouragement and acceptance along the way. Because it was important to me to show how their community responds to them coming out in an accepting way. And there's some realism there with that. It's it's not immediately accepting. There needs to be some education and some conversation, right? right? So it really, I think it walks us through kids through the steps in a very wonderful way. Thank you, Kathleen. So CK, let's hear about A Costume for Charlie, which is, I'm so happy that both of your books really explore gender expression as well as gender identity and all the complexities of that. So please tell us whatever your synopsis of the book is that you like to share and what inspired you to write it. Uh, For Charlie, it's just about finding a costume that represents their bi-gender identity because a lot of people don't understand what being bi-gender is. And I based it on what I actually did when I was younger. Now I did And Charlie, Charlie has their own agency and they take care of their own stuff. But when I was about 11, 12, someone helped me to make a costume that represented me being both a boy and a girl because I wanted to show my friends kind of like who I was, that it was, it goes more beyond than just being like always called tomboy. 
So then I was like, oh, if I'm going to write about it to help people to understand, then what I can do is write for my actual true story, which is what I decided to do. I noticed that Charlie is spelled with a Y, which is, I mean, there's just a great lesson in that as well, right? Is that I think more and more mindful parents are choosing names that are less gendered, right? And saying, well, my child can, of course, decide to change their name at any point, but why not go with something that doesn't pin them down, right? So, and also that Charlie is a child of color. And I assume that that was an intentional choice. Do you want to? Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, well, I basically was um, Alejandra, my uh, wonderful illustrator, and I never met, but she was like, you know, through Sharita, do you care what color? And they both were like, do you care what color? And I'm like, no, but I would rather not be white. And then so Alejandra just took it and ran with her own identity, which I thought was great. Absolutely. I love that Charlie is a person of color. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I yes. have one question that I'm I'm curious to hear your take on, CK, is I think the concept of costumes in relation to identity and gender identity are really fascinating and definitely front of mind as we celebrate Halloween weekend here in San Francisco where I live. And we remember that history of Halloween being the one night a year that police would not raid gay and queer spaces. And that was because everyone was wearing costumes. And so there was there was a lack of an ability to, to police people's presentation. And, and I think the device of a costume as as opening up the door for this thinking about who you are in a different way is so fascinating. And I would, I, I feel like in a lot of ways as a trans person, we, we wear costumes for much of our lives and we wear a costume and play a role. And then we realize, oh, maybe there's a different costume that makes us feel better. And maybe it's not a costume. Maybe that's just who I am. And would would love to hear your thoughts on that, that concept and how costumes as an idea play into this all. Yeah. I mean, that's always been big for the LGBTQIA plus community because I think and maybe you felt this way too, we constantly have to code switch for people. How I can be open in my house with my peeps is different than how I can go to work because work sometimes can be very dangerous for me because I've had parents come after me uh, once they learn my identity and once they see the flags in my room or that their kid is in a club that they can't sit in on. And so for costumes, like I know my GSA kids are just stoked to dress up on Monday because they're going to dress to exactly who they want to be and how they want to present. And people will take it most likely like, and I won't say his real name. I'll just make up the name. Jose identifies as femme and very much is looking forward to wearing a ball gown tomorrow and a wig. And his friends will go, ah, ha, ha, you know, how funny, but he's like, ah, you know, I'm going to do this and still goes by. He has not changed any pronouns yet. Cause I think that's a little too scary. Uh, right now. But very, very excited. And all these kids are just, they can't wait. And they've been spamming the GSA Google Classroom with nonstop pictures of costumes. So it's very exciting, but it definitely makes them feel better and in their own skin. My youngest costumes were kind of a a door opener for him to be able to express himself in all different ways. And he loves putting on princess costumes and superhero costumes and I have a picture of him where he's wearing a Superman no it's a Spider-Man head on a tutu and I'm like this is so my kid he's just this little person that is like very fluid and I love that costumes allowed him to just really express himself in all different ways I love that and that's the kind of parenting that we're really hoping grows in our communities, in our world. And and I really want to ask Jackie, you know, since we're as part of this conversation, we've talked about it a little, but Jackie, I'd just love for you to comment more on what you shared with me before we got on this on this Zoom meeting and and where you said if if you had read a book like that to me, things might be really different. Yeah, I mean I think the phrase I used was and and I think it's interesting to think about it kind of would have been like a nightmare for you. I mean Let's be honest. I came out when I was 19 and you and dad didn't take it well. 
And I had to leverage the fact that I was tech, though you were still financially supporting me, I, I was technically an adult and I technically had this little bit of freedom I could leverage to say, no, I'm doing this. You don't get to decide whether I do this or not. To be honest, it scares me to think about how that would have went down if I had been 10 or seven or even 14 or 15 and I had been under your roof and completely under your control and and how that would have gone and whether I would have been allowed to come out and transition at that point or not because I didn't have the leverage that I did when I was 19. So I, I think it's conflicting because part of me thinks oh my God, I so wish I would have had a book like that. I wish I would have had any media or any, I mean, I think the thing that a lot of cis people, people who are cisgender, people who are not trans, people who are heterosexual may not understand is that if you are a cisgender heterosexual person, if you're not trans, if you're not queer, and you're in a straight relationship with another person who's not trans or queer, and you have a kid, they're going to have no way to know that they are trans or queer because they don't see other trans people. They don't see other queer people out there. And so I didn't, had I earlier in my life understood what it is to be trans or what it is to be bisexual, I would have probably come out a lot earlier. And on one hand, part of me regrets that I didn't come out earlier, that I didn't transition earlier. And I feel like there's all these years that I was, was, you know, playing this role that I didn't identify with. But then on the other hand, part of me is terrified to think about how it would have gone down and, and how that would have all played out and whether I really would have been able to kind of stand my ground in the way that I, that I ultimately did when I, when I did end up coming out. Agreed completely. I can't add anything. And I, I actually, I'll add one thing. I think this gets at a lot of the questions that we're having at a national level right now about like what we here on this zoom and other people in these spaces are doing is trying to educate kids and trying to just teach them about themselves and about what it might mean if they feel a certain way. And those feelings are already there. We're not making kids trans. We are helping them better understand what they're already feeling. But the problem is, is that if the difference between me coming out when I'm 10 and when I'm 19 is a book, if that's all it takes, then the people who think that we're wrong and the people who think that they need to commit violence against us to stop us and think that that we are harming their kids, they're going to see a book and they're going to see a kid coming out and they're going to have a very different reaction to that. And and they're going to have a very different understanding of what that is in their head. So, I mean, I would love to hear from either Kathleen or CK about, about what your experience has been like feeling that blowback from writing a book like this, from being in these spaces and, and how you navigate that and, and how we try to overcome that despite how vicious and how persistent it is. I got one negative review on Amazon and I was like, yes, I know that sounds funny, but it was like my rite of passage. I was like, okay, that means my book's getting out there. And I just kind of laughed it off because of the, I think I have about 60 something reviews. That's one negative review out of all these other children's lives that my, my book's affecting. So yeah, at this point I haven't gone up against anything super negative toward my book, which I'm happy about, but knowing that it's reaching out, it's getting its claws into everybody is important because then it shows it's, it's spreading the word. So maybe in a year we can ask that same question and see how I address that. But I think it's also different. I mean, there's definitely negative people out there that think we're trying to make their children trans or non-binary and it's it's not that way we're creating an open door for children to see themselves and to love themselves so that they don't grow up loathing themselves they grow up realizing that they are accepted and loved they can be accepted and loved in the bigger world and that it's not something they have to hide and I think that's more important than keeping them closeted well for me when my book came out all of a sudden, even if they were verified purchases, people couldn't review it. Amazon kept shutting down and saying there's too much activity. And according to the people who are managing the book, that meant probably a lot of people were spamming it with horrible messages, even, you know, 
even if they ver- maybe just verified so that they could then just return it after <laughs> spamming me. And then on Beaming Books posts, in the first week and a half, it would get quote tweeted and the people would say, hashtag groomer, which is like, do you know what grooming is? Like, <laughs> So I had that. But otherwise, it's been, everyone's been really supportive. And I've gotten a lot of great reviews. I'm still trying to understand reviews. Like I'll get like amazing compliments and then they'll be like three stars. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But you said some nice things. I'll take it as five stars. But yeah, Amazon keeps on restricting Charlie because it's still under attack. I think that point about Amazon restricting it is super fascinating. And we've dealt Mm -hmm. with something similar. And I know, mom, you've spent a lot of time trying to negotiate with Facebook and try to get them to let us run ads because our ads are deemed like social issue related or whatever. So they keep taking them down and saying we're not allowed to run them, which is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered that when Kathleen was saying she only got one, you know, here's what I think Jackie is saying. What I want to say for sure is that we recognize whether or not you're hearing that negative feedback, you have put yourself out there in a way that may subject you to to all sorts of things, which we have been subjected to, but only in the online world. You know, to Kathleen's point, nobody says anything to our face. Nobody would. But in the online world, people are safe behind their computer and people have written horrific things and even threatening things to us because of the way we put ourselves out there and the the public nature with which we do it. And so Kathleen, you know, even if maybe Amazon has been able to screen so that you haven't seen that and CK is picking up on that that's happening to kind of protect us, you know, you're subjecting yourself to that. And you even said, you know, in a year, we'll see, you know, people, people may find you, the trolls may find you and they're out there. And I can't imagine what they get out of doing this, you know, but apparently they feel that they're somehow protecting children, which is, doesn't make any sense to your, to both of your points about how your books are to help kids understand and love themselves and see who they actually are and find language to express that it's not making anyone anything that they're not identifying with already. So I think our audience knows that is very well aware of that, but it's important to remind people that those of us who are in these spaces, as Jackie said, do subject ourselves to the potential of that. And we need support. We need allyship and we need help to figure out ways to avoid that and to be able to get our message out there and not be censored and criticized and threatened. And it's it's a challenging time. We would like to hear more about the process of writing your books for, for a number of reasons. One, you know, th- there could be people listening who think I have a book idea like this, or I have a storytelling idea for an event or anything where people, so many people have creative ideas to share this message in whatever way they can about inclusion and, and self-love and, and diversity. So what was the process like of writing your books? Did you get support? I know, Kathleen, if you don't mind me saying, I was blessed and had the opportunity to take a look at your book before it was published and you asked for feedback. And so I really, really respected that you were kind of really getting some beta readers to give you some helpful feedback, which you took into account. So what was that whole process like? And what would you say to someone out there who might be listening, who wants to also write a book, both of you. So for me, it was really important to have children who are trans and non-binary read my book because I am not trans and non-binary. And so I know that I am speaking for them, which is a very sensitive topic right now. But as someone who's an ally, I wanted to be a voice for the voices that aren't able to speak for themselves yet because they're too young. And my process was basically several, several, several versions. (laughs) And I sent sent it out to different groups that are filled with trans families. And I actually started writing and I didn't realize that, that there's a special way to write rhyme through meter. And a lot of, I'm a self-published author. A lot of self-published authors just put their books onto the world, not knowing how to, to correctly rhyme. And they actually read really, really badly. I hate to say, but it, it's true. And as I was writing my story, I ran into this teacher. Her name's Renee Latulipe, which is crazy because she has my same last name before my last name was changed. And I'm like, oh, we might be distant relatives. Anyway, she's a master at meter. 
And so I studied her YouTube videos and I had to rewrite my entire story to make it work. And in doing so, it evolved and became a better story and it flowed better. And then I sent my story to my best friend because she's an illustrator. She didn't have time to do it, but she gifted me with an illustrator friend of hers and his name is Gert Westin. I struggle with his name because he's from Belgium, but he was brilliant. He was amazing to work with. And he took some of the illustrations that my son had drawn of little monsters and created monsters based on my son's drawings. So that was really cool to see that evolution happen. But yeah, so then now the book is, is out there and I'm so It's like amazing to see something because I have several stories that are not published. They're just sitting in my computer and they're alive in my head, but it's great to actually have the book in your hand and, and be able to see it and see people react to it. It's amazing. Yes. Thank you for sharing that because it's very inspiring. And it's also a reminder that it's okay to take your time and there may be a learning process involved. And very often we're, we're inspired with an idea and a passion for sharing a message, but then we have to kind of slow down and take the time to learn how to rhyme and meter and all the things that you did and get feedback from the folks who are going to be reading, who we're actually addressing and speaking for. And so you did that. You really did your due diligence and the the result is just spectacular. And I know Kathleen, you've been, you know, you your book has made it to several like number one spots on some of the lists. And I'm just so happy for you. And And it shows that it's worth it to put in the time and the work to really get it right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It took uh, over a year for sure, if not longer to get that to where it is. And a lot of people are just pushing books out and yeah, you can tell by the quality that they're, that they're not taking the time. Exactly. Exactly. And on that note, I am blown away by the quality and beauty of a costume for Charlie as well, which everybody has to read. So can you tell us about your process, CK? Yeah, so um, I was out in my private life, but because of stuff that happened with GSA and backlash from parents and everything, I was closeted in my professional life. But during pandemic, someone outed me <laughs> in my professional life. So then I was like, well, you know, because then I had to explain to the kids uh, what my identity is. And they still didn't understand, even the ones who are like seniors in high school still just didn't understand. So I was like, okay, I'll write a book about it. And because it was my own experience, I wrote about it with the person who had helped me and, you know, it was all that. Um, Then I was having trouble finding critique partners and some people on Twitter saw Mindy Elise Weiss and Andrew Hackett, who are phenomenal people. And they actually critiqued Charlie and gave a lot of feedback. And so I had to fix it a lot. And then um, then I got a critique group and then they also helped to fix it. Then Andrew Hackett's agent is... Dan Kramer at Page Turner Literary, and I really liked him, so I just queried him. And then a couple of weeks later, I had an agent, and then we went on submission with the first 12 publishers, and we got our offer in a month from Beaming Books. It went really, really fast. That is not normally <laughs> what happens. I have a third one right now on submission that hasn't, that's gotten a lot of compliments, but no one's picked it up, and I think it's in its third round. So, which is more in line with the way that publishing really works. But yeah, it was a lot of revision. I mean, even Dan had a lot of revision. And my second book that we'll be announcing, hopefully that comes out in 24, had even more revision. So (laughs) it does. It takes a lot of revision to get things to where you want. Um, And of course, my editor had a lot of revision for Charlie, like pages of it. So we went through, I think, three rounds of editing. So it takes a lot. It definitely takes a lot. Thank you for sharing that and to inspire those folks out there who may want to go on this journey as well. And it really speaks to how it just takes persistence and endurance. And those revisions make the end result that much better. And we have to be willing to hear that feedback and really take it into account and take it to heart and work with it. And to the issue of self-publishing versus seeking a publisher, I've published three books myself and one I had a publisher for and the others are self-published. And in my opinion, it doesn't matter. (laughs) However, you choose, if you're an author out there, 
you may query uh, agents and publishers and you may have success. You may not have success. What CK described is definitely not the norm. It, it, it can be incredibly challenging as a first time author to get representation and to get publisher to notice you, but it's not impossible. So if you want to go that route and go for it, you know, we just encourage you if you're inspired to do this work, stick with it. And something will happen. And if you end up self-publishing, there is no shame in that. And 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 most of the time, people don't know anyway. You know, Kathleen and I applaud you for saying it openly because a lot of people just, you know, I have my own publishing company with with ISBN numbers and all of that, so that no one would know my works that are self-published. But it doesn't matter in the end. It's getting your book out there and sharing it with people, and whether it resonates with people. Yeah, that's true. I actually read CK's early version, and I knew. When I first read, I was like, this is an amazing story. But I think their process went so quickly because it was a story that needed to get out there. So people read your story and were like, this book needs to be out there. So that's why you could, I think, why you've had so much success. And I applaud you for that. <laughs> yes. Thank you. I, yeah, we are, we're, I'm deeply humbled and honored that you're both here, really looking at your books. I mean, I want everybody to realize like these are spectacular books. And I'm not just saying that, like you can go on Amazon and see the response to, to these books. They're the, they're the best of what's out there and they're changing lives in deeply meaningful ways. Jackie, any thoughts or questions at this point? Yeah, I would just to come back to some of what we were talking about earlier about the the impact that a book like this can have on a kid's life. Um, I would love to hear more about what you both hope kids and not just kids, but families and, and their parents and siblings are getting out of these books and what a society one day, hopefully in the not too distant future where all kids have access to books like this would look like. I've had really positive reactions I was at a pride event and this young girl walked up to me and she read my book. She was just standing there and she read it and I will never forget her. Her name's Melissa. And she was like, I could hear her gasping as she was reading it. And she looked at me and she said with tears in her eyes, if I would have had a book like this, I may have, I, life would have been way easier for me because I would have seen it there were others like me and it really validated me. And I gave her the book. I was like, I don't even want you to pay for it. Just take it. You need to have this. And she stays with me as I keep pushing this book to get it out there. I'm like, I need to reach more Melissa's. And I had a parent reach out to me and tell me that their child was reading my book on Kindle and said, mommy, come here. This one that's purple. This one's me. And so I was just like, so t it made me cry. I was like, this is so awesome that children are seeing themselves in my book. And it's just, and my own kids see themselves in the book. So it's just, it's very validating. And, and it, it really, it's very emotional for me, actually. <laughs> um, I hope that people start, the, the biggest takeaway that I want people to have is to understand that kids were born this way. It's not like we just wake up one day and go, oh, let me make myself have a harder life right now by <laughs> coming out because <laughs> everybody wants that. And it's just that understanding because a lot of conversations that people have had with me on Twitter or through email, you know, when they're talking about their own children, they'll, they'll ask questions. And I'm like, I'm an open book. I'll tell you anything you want to know within, you know, within some reason. But it's opened up a lot of conversations. And it seems to be that they're starting to understand because as soon as I showed my students, uh, the teachers, all my coworkers and stuff don't know that I wrote a book. I've been very quiet about it. Copies from beaming books away to my kids because they were like, I'm going to buy your book. And everyone knows it's very, Shh. and they're like, no, no, here, here's the book. And then they finally understood my identity. They really, really got it. And I was like, and it was so nice to be seen by these children. So that was good. So that's what I'm hoping is that the same thing as Kathleen, that kids can identify and say, I could be like that. I could be something else, but I know I am other. I know I'm not cis. And that's what I'm hoping that it can educate people, which is why I have like extensive resources on being by gender on my website. 
just to make sure that people can start educating themselves because we can't just be ignorant about identity. So, yeah, I, I think that's so important. And to have, to have educators in that space, I think goes such a long way. And I, I think we have a powerful history of that with folks like Tom Amiano in California, you know, being public school educators and, and having to confront these issues. And, and so thanks for doing that work because it's so important. And it's also heartbreaking to hear that just because of the content and the nature of your book, that it has to be kept quiet. I understand. And of course you need to make that choice, but to Jackie's point earlier, we all hope we will live in a world one day where that's celebrated and your school is is honored and incredibly proud that you're an educator at their, at the, in their institution and that you've put, put this work out there that's so meaningful. And I just want to add that, I, of course, I have had, we, Jackie and I have a Facebook group and we have all kinds of communities where, and I've had several parents share with me that their child came out to them while they were reading a book like yours to them. And that the child just very young was able to say, oh, that's me. I didn't know how to say that to you, mommy or daddy or whoever, you know, grandma, whatever it could be. You know, I, I just didn't know. And, and that's me. And so unlike the unfortunately very misled, misinformed folks who think that that there's a cause effect relationship there, right? We know that this is allowing kids to have the language for what they're experiencing that didn't previously have. And, you know, you've talked about DK by gender. I know you addressed it a little bit earlier, but since you're with us, I would love if you wouldn't mind to give us a little bit more on understanding the difference between being by gender and non-binary. So... I mean, you can put by gender under the non-binary umbrella. It definitely can fit there. So for me, I'm technically, I was born intersex. I have Turner syndrome. And so I've always felt both equally very much so as a boy and a girl. Now, some people are by gender and they say, you know, I'm non-binary and male or I'm, I'm non-binary and female or I'm just non-binary and something completely different. But for me, I've always felt very much both. I, of course, have to code switch like a lot of the people in the community do. So I've, I've done that. But now it's, it's very much uh, my new principal is extremely supportive and is trying to do more of a gender neutral kind of professional dress for everyone, which, you know, you can't force it on people, but he's himself is dressing gender neutral. And I've been doing that for a while. But yeah, I just always felt very much both. So I didn't find out about the identity of by gender until 2016, because you don't really want to tell people when we, when you tell people that you're intersex, they automatically go to you having a certain body part that I do not because intersex has multiple ways that you can be intersex. <laughs> so then it was just easier to say by gender. And then that could somewhat explain, I would just say both boy and girl. And then that's why I like they, them, because then it's not people, you know, getting all mixed up. Um, I don't force people to, I mean, I, would, I get so excited when people use my pronouns, but um, at my work, I don't, it's hard to, they've always called me she. So it's hard for them to make that switch. They're trying, but I'm not like mean about it. It's just like, you know what? We're going to make mistakes. That's what happens. It's okay. <laughs> but but yeah, that's what being by gender is for me personally. Thanks for sharing that. I think the concept of code switching is such a fascinating one. And I would, I would love to get into that a little bit more too, because I, I think that's a really unique, at least as far as it comes to gender, that is a really unique experience for trans people. And I, I definitely relate to feeling like I can sometimes, I can get more respect often in the workplace, especially, I can get more respect from a cisgender man than a cisgender woman would. But I also feel like I'm not quite getting as much respect as a cisgender man would. And then I can get maybe more respect from a cisgender woman than a cisgender man would. But I'm also not getting full respect that I feel a cisgender woman would. So it's like I'm straddling this line and I get like a little bit of credit with either side, but not completely. And it's kind of this weird space. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts on what that's like and some of the nuances there that people who are not trans might have no idea exist. Yeah. So like, uh, for example, it's very hard, like going to school dances because 
I want to wear a suit, but then a full face of makeup. And then people are just like, or if I wear a dress, I'm also wearing boxers underneath. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. And probably tennis shoes with my dress. And so it's that kind of thing. Whereas before I always had to dress uh, feminine, like people expected to see me every now and then in a skirt or wearing full makeup and stuff like that. So I lived up to that expectation because I, I wasn't out at work. So it was like, okay, I'm going to code switch uh, for all these people. But then when I get home, it's very gender neutral clothing. And I love wearing baseball hats, especially backwards. And when I did that at school, people were like, <laughs> you're making like nasty looks. And I'm like, well, it's just a hat. But it is amazing to me. Like, like tomorrow I'm going to go, I have a bat costume and then I'm going to wear a full face of makeup and just call myself Batgirl. And so tomorrow I'll be code switching and the kids are all ecstatic about it. They're like, it's going to confuse people though. Cause you never do that. And I'm like, yeah, well get over it. <laughs> that's, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> and then at night at home, I'm going to be someone from Assassin's Creed. So it's, <laughs> but it is very much for the benefit of others that I code switch or in the case of being uh, safety. So and in certain spot spaces, I will look very femme because it's a safety concern. Yeah, no, that's a real one. I will always remember my car breaking down on my way home from a campaign in Michigan. And I was in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. And I had just enough cell service to get one call through to AAA. And the local tow truck guy came and picked me up. And I had to ride in his cab with him to the local tow truck center. And I was like, oh, God, I better really like get my voice perfect and pass for this guy because I don't know what he's going to do. And he was perfectly nice and fine. And he told me all about why he voted for Trump and all that good stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm passing. I'm doing okay. But, but I mean, there's, that's a unique experience to, to be in a space like that. And it's a weird thing that I don't think a lot of people understand. And I know it's different, but Kathleen, you, I think, can speak to this from the standpoint of being married to a woman. You're cisgender, but when I see you out in the world at the things we've been at together, you're very quick to say my wife and, you know, and, and really share openly about your family and that, that you're married to a woman and raising two kids together. And so you probably have to navigate that as well sometimes. And maybe, I don't know, I think people have this stereotype that, well, you're in the Hollywood world and everybody's accepting, but you've probably had situations where you have to consider, is it safe to share this, that this is my family? Work-wise, I've been very open. And actually, it's funny because I think I've gotten hired on certain jobs because I'm a lesbian and, and I'll take it because there'll be other queer people at, the, at work who hire me. And I always look to hire also queer people when I'm looking to hire. Um, but in my home life, it was not home life with my wife, but my family life outside. Yes, it's, it was very hard as far as protecting myself. And my wife and I were in Morocco on a job. I guess this would fully answer your question. We were in Morocco and we went out into the town and our driver told Rochelle, my wife, that we could not hold hands. We could not, we had to be very careful because he basically said we, that we could get beaten. Like, so that was a real situation for us to try to like, I had to pretend that we were just friends for the night because for safety purposes. Yeah. I think it's important for people to hear these stories. Some people are naive and, oh, no, we live, everything's fine now. You know, everybody accepts everyone now. And that's absolutely not the case. So what have we, gosh, I feel like we've covered most of what we were really hoping to get to in this conversation. And I'm so grateful, Jackie and I are so grateful that you've both been so open with us and shared so much about your books and your lives and yourselves and why you're doing this incredibly important work that you're doing. Is there anything that either of you would want to say and share with our audience that we haven't provided an opportunity to say or share? Yeah, I would say for anyone out there who's transgender, non-binary, queer, all the things, just be you. Like you do you and don't worry about what other people think. And I think that was something that took me a long time to figure out. 
I would say, don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about what other people say God thinks. Because that took me a long time to realize that my relationship with God is mine. And I choose to believe in a loving God. And I think a lot of queer people struggle with that because they're hearing that God hates them. And that's not what I believe. And I believe that God created all colors of the rainbow and that each one of us is here for a purpose. And then the other thing is, and I said this at a, at a meeting once, that it's important to find your tribe and that family doesn't have to be blood. You need to find people that love and support you for who you are and let go of toxic people uh, because you don't need people in your life that make you feel bad about yourself. And I think that's hard when it's family, but sometimes you just have to let those people go. And I had to learn that the hard way. It took me a very long time to let some people go in my life, but there's only so long that you can beg people to see you. And then if they're not seeing you, you just, you know, you put, I just had to say, this person isn't seeing me. They're not respecting me and I have to let them go. And it's, it's painful, but. I have to say, since I let certain people go, I've been much happier mentally. So that's, that's all my advice. Excellent advice. Thank you, Kathleen. Yes. Yeah, I I completely agree 100% with everything Kathleen said, but also to the community, your identity doesn't have to look the same as someone else's identity. So if someone comes to me and says they're by gender, I don't expect them to sometimes wear makeup and not want to wear dresses and to code switch just like I do. However, your identity is for you. You don't have to model it on somebody else. Okay. So if, if someone is trans, they don't have to be like RuPaul, right? Like they don't have to do anything like that. So that's the biggest thing because that's what my kids do a lot in GSA. They'll be like, Oh, well, I only like girls. So because I'm a lesbian, I have to have my hair short. No, you don't. If you're non-binary, you can have hair down to your ankles and, and, and always wear makeup. So it's, it's cause it's how you feel on the inside. Now, obviously we can express ourselves with gender expression for the outside, but that is the biggest thing that I've been talking to my kids this year about is you do not your identity does not have to match this other person's identity, even though you're underneath the same umbrella and you're identifying as the same thing. Because there's a lot of comparison. And I do feel like sometimes the community attacks people who don't fall in line. Like if you say that you're a certain thing, oh, if you don't look like it, are you really? Which is too bad because we should all be united and not <laughs> fighting about what it's supposed to look like for someone else. So so Yeah. That's a good point. If you don't want someone to police your identity, don't police other people's identities. And last, but certainly not least, remind everyone who's listening where they can find your books. And if you have websites you want to plug, any other projects like that, let's do one last plug before we wrap it up. Okay. My book is on Amazon. That's just the paperback. If you want, this is the hardback. And I think it's just prettier. You can go to my website, www.kathleenlatlip.com. And actually, for the listeners today, the first person that messages me that they watch the show, you'll get a free book. Thank you. Yay. Of course. Free book out there. But on my website, I'm going to do a a special around when this is airing. So you can get my hardcover for the same price as the paperback. I would rather... I have literally boxes sitting in my front room of books that I want to get out into the world. So it's not about making money for me. It's about getting it into the world. I don't need to make extra money. Um, and I, in fact, we, I just released a, uh, or I'm about to release a Dutch version of my book. I cannot pronounce it. It's words that I, I really struggle to say, but all the proceeds are going to go to Alzheimer's and dementia programs that are in, I know that's totally random, but it, my friend who, who translated it for me, that's her passion is, is dementia labs. So that's where we're putting all the proceeds into. That's awesome. That's such an important cause. Thanks. For me, you can find me at carlislemalonebooks.com. I'm more, I'm easily reachable, but on Twitter at CK Malone too. That's mostly where I hang out. 
I too, I think that's a great idea. So I will follow on Kathleen's footsteps. Then if you message me on Twitter or through my website, I will send a signed copy along with, I've got still some leftover swag for my pre-order campaign. So some buttons and some stickers, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank so. you. You will definitely hear from from folks, from our listeners. We know they'll be very excited. And again, I, oh, I'm sorry. Did I interrupt? Did you have more CK? Oh, I, I was just going to remind everyone oh, also Jackie. the name, the names of both books for those who might not be watching and might not have seen the covers. Kathleen's book is Plink, Blue, and Colorful You. And CK's book is A Costume for Charlie. And I'm holding them up right now. If you're not watching us on YouTube, you should watch us on YouTube. And by the way, YouTube is doing an exciting thing. They're giving us handles now. So I think they're, we're going to be at Transgender School on YouTube. Look for that, please. If you haven't watched our videos, we're always, we post every podcast episode with our guests so you can see them and see their books and watch the lovely conversations that we're having with all of our incredible guests. So we cannot thank you enough, Kathleen and CK, for being here and taking time out of your very busy lives where you're doing so much important work in the world. And we will be sure to put all the links to your books and your websites and all the information about you that you've shared in our show notes and in our description on YouTube so that people can find you. I just want to say again, I don't get anything for it. I truly believe that these are two books that would be fantastic for holiday gifts, for families, for kids, a wide range of ages. And any family, you know, it's not for kids, just kids or families with kids who are trans and who are non-binary and who are out that you know of. In fact, it's equally important, if not more important, that all families are reading these books because I didn't know my kid was transgender until 19, right? So if, if, if we had books like this and somebody had said, Hey, what, you know, here's something to read your kids. I don't know if I would have, but gosh, at least I would have the option to do that. And it could have made a difference for us. We'll never know. So please, please, please buy these books and spread them and share them. And you can tell with both of our authors, it's not about the money or the praise or the recognition. It really is about changing the world that we live in, in a way that all of us who are here listening, watching and sitting here in the Zoom are committed to, we know. So thank you so much, Kathleen and CK. Thank you, Jackie. Thanks everybody for the great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. We will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our Transgender School podcast. We hope you learned something new and that you're inspired to learn more. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please be sure to check out our website, transgenderschool.org. You'll find many valuable resources there, including news about upcoming courses we'll be teaching. Make sure to join us for future podcast episodes. We'll catch you on the first Tuesday of every month. 